everyone and welcome to another episode of In the Spirit of Horse. Today is a bit weird, you probably already noticed with the audio, but I am actually on the road with these two amazing people, Nina Polo, that's her singing, and uh, <laughs> Humble Roger, who's driving. Hello. This is Roger. Hello Roger. Humble you, Roger. Humble Roger. The reason why we're driving this week right now, we have been out camping with wild horses because we're working on a super awesome project that is super secret. <laughs> <laughs> we cannot mention the project. Yeah, so I don't know what project you're talking about. What? <laughs> it's in your head, Mosey. <laughs> <laughs> Who's Mosey? <laughs> uh, but yeah, so we've been out camping with wild horses and we're driving back and it's Thursday, right before podcast day. And I thought we could just talk about talk about our experience and what it's been like this past week and how awesome the wild horses are and what we learned. Humble Roger? Humble Roger, did you learn anything? Um, I did. It's always fascinating to watch their behavior between the different herds. Um, I really enjoyed watching the two stallions I wouldn't say face off, but communicate. There was one stallion that they call Blondie, and I forget the other stallion name, just their favorite stallion. Um, well, his official name, I guess, is Zorro, is... but we named him Troy. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so, okay, so we'll call him Troy. Troy. Um, they had this okay. magnificent little standoff, and Blondie was saying, No, you're not going to come to the watering hole until all my mares are done. It was just, um, fascinating and I loved that Nina had mentioned how beautiful of masculinity that is and how in society we we shun that so much yeah you know what I thought was really interesting about that is we tend to think of stallions as having these huge battles all the time and like constantly clashing and certainly you know they have you know you, you get the pictures of them rearing on each other and all, all the big movements, but what was really beautiful about that particular interaction, I thought, was that the communication was so clear and it was so subtle. The stallion, like, they had basically, like, a conversation in this horse posturing that never required any dramatic movement or, like, big conflict, and basically everything was said and went forward very peacefully. It did. I liked when Zorro turned around and pooped <laughs> right towards <laughs> right towards Blondie. That was definitely a large statement. But no violence. It was it was interesting. Kind of a sense of humor. I, I poop at you. <laughs> exactly. A little bit. This is what I think of you. Yeah, I agree. I, I also picked up on the the subtlety of their communication and I thought I think afterwards we were talking a little bit about the concept of you know, having that beautiful kind of masculine energy of, you know, those two guys being being the protectors of their herd and, you know, being the ones that would put themselves in, you know, something that could potentially be dangerous in order to protect the herd and how when we just allow that to be, it appears to me that there is, it, it doesn't, or it rarely turns into aggression. It, it, there's so many 
options for it to be subtle communication that, you know, is almost like a dance rather than a fight. And when we try to, you know, shelter that energy or confine that energy, then it really starts to escalate oftentimes. And I think that's a very human, um, human way of dealing with that type of energy is we, you know, and not out of, I don't think we do it out of a, a necessarily like evil intention. It's more that we're a little bit afraid maybe of getting hurt or that somebody might get hurt, somebody might get injured. And so we, we, we tend to build a shelter around that type of energy, but really when it's just allowed to flow, it, it just seems so beautiful. And yeah, really, really like a dance. Yeah, it really makes me think about if we're kind of on this idea of like containing the masculine in that way and stallions, how we do that with like quote unquote domestic horses. I think stallions get such a bad rep because well here in America, a lot of times they're kind of treated and cared for in a way that anyone would go crazy. If a stallion's locked up in a stall and not allowed to be with other horses because we're a little afraid that, you know, that they're either going to get hurt someone or, you know, they can't be out with mares, which I understand. We don't just want, like, tons of breeding, but that they can't be out with other stallions or with geldings. We're really setting them up to fail in a way because anyone's energy confined in that place would start to go kind of sporadic and crazy. Yes. And that's not to say that there aren't stallions that are, you know, maybe by nature more aggressive, Mm -hmm. but I would say for the most part, the stallions I've worked with and the stallions I've seen that have led a more natural life tend to be far more balanced than the stallions that have been kind of isolated their entire lives in a way that's just completely unnatural for the horse. And also, you know, if they're these kind of great mirrors of us, very unnatural for us as well. Yeah. It's like thinking of a, a kid that, you know, has, like, always seen that there's candy, and it's, like, almost waved in front of them, but they're never allowed to have it, or very, very rarely allowed to have it, and then, you know, they, like, turn 18 and move out of the home and go ballistic. <laughs> Yeah, go crazy because it's been so restricted Yeah, that there's, like, no balance in it. Yeah, and I, I really think that one of the, the main things that was a lesson for me um, this past week with the horses was seeing that our need to... <clears throat> I guess it just made me want to question, you know, our need for walls and fences and interventions and, you know, wanting to protect and and when is that really required? Um, And when is it really just our fear of somebody getting hurt that is restrictive in itself? I love that. It kind of makes me think about, um, oh, Mish. (laughs) <laughs> little sneezy dog. It's humble Rogers, little dog. Meesh. Humble Rogers, little puppy. Um, it makes me think about kind of the misconception of dominance in the horse world. That mm. somehow 
like dominant and that role is the leading role when really they're very different different roles in the herd and dominance when it's balanced like in a wild horse herd is really about protection and they're the protectors so that when something unknown or scary comes to the herd the dominant horse um, is there to protect the herd whether that's to move the herd away from the threat or whether it's to challenge the threat or just overall kind of keep everyone safe and in many ways that's very different um, from the lead horse because in order to be a leader you have to be curious and the dominant is sort of it's this pushing away force that's very needed but it's very different from a leader which gets others to follow so the the lead horse in that sense you know whether that's the lead of the herd or just a leader in that moment is going to see something new and when it's safe move past the fear of just you know we have to get away and into a place that's more curious and playful and it's very much a needed balance from the protector dominant role and it was really cute because I think one of the horses that really stood out to me as a leader in some of the herds we were watching was this mare that was pawing in the water <laughs> and all you know all the horses are drinking and the stallion was definitely looking out and kind of just uh, kind of you could see him in a protective role and she was in the water like splashing away like really playing and watching us the whole time yeah. and not from a place of being scared but much more from a place of curiosity and I think if we had stayed longer with the herd she would have been the one to come over and connect with us and she would yeah. have been the one to lead the herd over towards us and ultimately make that connection I don't remember which herd it was but the one stallion that was going to mount the mare the mare just squealed and walked away and like said no uh, you know not now and um so he went off and was teaching this fairly newborn, maybe a few weeks or a month. Uh, they were scratching each other, just gently massaging each other. And I just thought that was so, so unique you know, for a stallion just to say, okay, you know, I'll go over here and pay attention to the babies. It was interesting. I thought that was super cute, like, because the mayor gave this really obvious no, like, he's like, hey, do you want to... You want to do some party. fun things, party lady? And she's just like, nah, like, no, bro. And he's like, okay, okay. And he, and he like, gives up immediately. And then it's like, I'm just going to go teach this baby how to massage, <laughs> how to scratch. And it was the cutest thing. It was so sweet. So nurturing. Yes. There were so many moments, I think. It was a bit of a theme, I think, for all of us that we were just mesmerized by the how gentle all the stallions were and how just sweet they were and and maybe the misconception that we have you know once again of what a stallion is um we're really you know when let to be free um they can just you know be another beautiful horse it's so true, and, and this is actually, we're in spring, and it's the time where, you know, you get the action shots of the stallions on yeah. the stallions, and it's like breeding time, and, but you know what is really interesting, like, I often find that with the wild horses, 
stallions are very much focused on and mares are really not talked about in the same way like it'll be like the stallion with his mares and like the the stallions will all have names and the mares won't and and that's always kind of bothered me like on a very personal level I'm like Mm -hmm. what about the mares you know like it's not like it's not like they're not playing vital roles here you know and and sometimes I feel like they're not valued or not seen in the same way Mm -hmm. but what I love going out with them is that you see how the mares have just as much unique personality and interesting things going on with them (laughs) and the mares tend to be like like what I've found is the babies and the mares are the curious ones that ultimately bridge connection to me or to us um because a lot of I've seen stallions you know they'll, they'll be very watchful of us and like very protective but every time I've really connected with a horse in the wild or they've come over closer it's been led by a mare or a baby and and I just think it they're so amazing and incredible and the whole dynamic between the herds themselves I think I think we can learn so much and I think it's also a little different than what than the story we tell ourselves of what's going on in the wild you know, and this kind of cutthroat, like, yeah, like really. I don't, I don't even know how to really explain it, but it feels very different than the story I'd always been told about wild horses. It's so interesting you say that because I just had this thought that um, we want to put, um, we want to say oh, this is how herds work, and there is a stallion, and he does this, and there's the lead mare, and she does this, and then there's, like, these others, and they do that, and my observation was that it was very individual and kind of different, depending on the herd, too, so it's not just that, you know, yes, there's kind of, like, a natural order of things, for sure, but it's also constantly changing in a way, and it also depends on the band, and which makes me, you know, think of just individual horses have individual personalities, and it makes complete sense to me because, of course, the horses that I've met in person all have very different personalities, and just because, you know, a horse is a mare, or a horse is a stallion, or a horse is a gelding, it doesn't really say much about them. Um, other than maybe, you know, some innate qualities that make sense from an evolutionary standpoint. But really there's so much unique personality to each one, and depending on who comes together, they act differently and interact differently. I, I so agree. Like, I was just really smiling as you were saying all that, because I think that really is... That's where we sort of miss it with nature sometimes, I think, is, like, when with our domestic horses, you know, domestic in quotes, um, they, they are all so, so different, and it's not like all mares are the same, or all stallions are the same, like, they're all so unique, and I think sometimes it's hard to comprehend how there could be all of these 
like for me, sometimes thinking about all this different life, all these different animals, even all these different people, like how can they all be so individual and unique? Yeah. It's a little mind blowing. How but, come some people like beards and others don't? Yeah, well, I don't know. <laughs> But, like, with the horses, to think that, you know, you can see it out, like, look out there and see, like, a wild horse herd and kind of, like, put them into those categories, right? Yeah. But even getting to know them just for a couple days, you realize they're just as unique as our horses that we live with. And I remember, like, the first time, actually, this is kind of a separate thought, but it reminds me of the first time I was in the ocean and I didn't realize how influenced I was by sort of like the the like Discovery Channel or whatever the like nature channels are yeah. that had a lot of um, like programs that were like very survival of the fittest feeling, you know, like yes. and then this eats this and this eats this and and I didn't realize how influenced I was until the first time I like dove deep in the ocean. So I was out with like in Hawaii with like a lot of fish and like a lot of turtles and and really seeing ocean life in a new way and I was overcome with this feeling of this is so much more peaceful than I ever imagined and uh, like and there's so much more love here than I ever imagined and that's not to say that the ocean can't be a really harsh place because it can but I don't think I'd ever understood that there was room for love in this kind of natural nature setting and that it wasn't this just survival of the fittest and everything against each other and everything's just trying to, you know, like, take everything else down. There was this very natural harmony that you could feel and you could feel joy too, or at least I could, you know, I'm somewhat projecting, but like, or maybe all projecting. But the feeling was like indescribable to me and so strong. And ever since that, I've kind of seen the natural world a little differently. Not in the sense that there's not there's not dangerous stuff out there, but more there's a lot more love than I realized. I love so many things about that, but um, one of the things is it's so nice to discover the moments when we realize how influenced we are by something. Yeah. The first day that we sat down to watch the horses, I kept hearing this narrator voice of, you know, something like the Discovery Channel, and I couldn't turn it off, and it it made me realize that, in a way, you know, whether I want it or not, I'm coming in there with categories and boxes that I want to put the horses in, because we all have an idea of what we're going to see, and slowly over the course of, you know, the days that we were there it started to fade a little bit <clears throat> and I wouldn't hear the voice as much and I would be more in my own experience of what the horses were like and be more in the moment with, you know, you guys and the horses and Mishi. And it's such a beautiful lesson because we're all biased in a way <laughs> to everything. We are. <laughs> so. It is all our projection, and it's all our perception, in a way. So putting that together, I think, in my mind, is the way we do that with our horses, instead of trying to let them be as natural as we can. You know, for whatever your situation is, how can I make my 
course this situation is natural and is that letting it socialize in a pasture with all the other horses or is it just giving them more room to run and play with one you know but I think it's so vital to a horse's sanity to be social I mean watching them and their hierarchy of socialization is it seems to me a crime to take try to take that away from a horse I, I think you're taking away part of its spirit or soul not letting it be as I don't really want to use the word wild but natural as possible or wild you can say wild but I think that gives it a bad condensation of you know my horse is uncontrollable and I don't think that would be true I was very impressed with they just naturally want to connect with you they'll watch you if you turn away from them they'll kind of follow you just like our domestic horses so you know I think our domestic horses aren't as domestic as you know we think yeah yeah that's a really big theme we've been exploring out here is that to me the way I see domestic and why I kind of say in quotes is I really think that even our domestic horses are wild at heart like they might not have the knowledge of like growing up in a wild herd where the older horses have taught them exactly what to eat and you know all the little things but but they are to me truly still wild and if and even like I was at a roundup once where a guy was trying to get his horse back because his horse had gotten loose like four years earlier and had just joined a wild herd and he was never able to get his horse back and so when the roundup was coming he wanted um, to see if he could round up his horse and and get him back at the auction or whatever. But I think they're, they have that in them. And that's why horses are this amazing bridge for me between wild and us and somewhat reminding us that we aren't as separate from wild. That we think we are. We think that there's like this human civilization and then wild. And meanwhile, we're in bodies that come from nature itself. We are the wild. For me, the horses really remind me of that, and that was a really big theme for this trip. And I think for my life right now in general, and sort of what we've been talking about. Yeah, I completely agree, and I, I think it was such a theme. There was a theme of that, there was a theme of connection and, and mutuality. Um, how is it reciprocated in a way and that was really interesting the day that we went to we went to a holding facility um, to visit some of the horses there and as we went there was you could see the different herds and my sense was that the you could observe the behavior externally and it would look very similar to the behavior of the wild horses so maybe they would you know kind of go in like circles and half circles and kind of keep an eye on us at all times run away a little bit keep an eye on us come a little bit closer keep an eye on us you mean in relation to us yes right yes and um 
when they would spot us, basically. And it looked very similar from the outside, but my my sense, and again, maybe this is projection, but my sense was that when we were in the wild, it seemed that they were observing us out of curiosity, where when we were in the holding facility, it seemed that they were observing us out of a sense of vigilance. And it seemed to me that there was more separation between us and the horses when we were in the holding facility, which was, you know, kind of highlighted by the fact that there was actual fences between us. Yeah. And a lot more closeness when we were with the horses in the wild. I don't know if anybody else had that experience. I felt that, we kind of talked about that last night, and I so 100% agree. And you know, when I think about it, with what they've kind of gone through to get to the holding facilities, and just going through a roundup, and then in the holding facilities, you know, sometimes they round them up again to get other horses out. It would make sense to me that in the wild, they have this innate drive to connect. Like, that's something I feel so sure about because if you're out there with them you can just see how even the really wild ones the truly wild ones that haven't seen humans before when we go really far out um they have a curiosity there where if you're not threatening they want to come and see you and they want to connect but i think about the horses that are in the holding facilities in some ways they already have reason to have moved from the place of you know what is this little weird human coming towards me mm-hmm. and do I want to connect it to a place of I've decided that this whatever these safe. humans are are not safe yeah. and I've decided that um, that they're not really to be trusted Yeah. and so it makes sense to me that you know in the holding facility you're not coming from like that neutral place of of pure connection at that point you already have a layer of a fence between you, a literal fence and yeah. a figurative fence. Yes. How did you feel at the holding facility, Roger? Because it was an interesting, it was a very emotional day for most of us. Yeah, it's it it's emotional, but um, I was glad to see they had plenty of room. I thought I thought the place did a fairly well, fairly good job of yeah. giving mm-hmm. them room and giving them what they could. But it's sad to see them and think that they were plucked from the wild, you know, from what we call a dream life, now plugged into a corral. I mean, I hope most of them find very good homes, but it is definitely sad. Yeah, I I definitely agree with you. The holding facility we were at is actually not very bad. Like, it was quite roomy, and they have quite big pens, and I would actually say for most domestic horses being put in those places, I'd be like, that's a pretty good situation. Like, that's a good setup. It wasn't super crowded. They had a good amount of space. They had food, and they had friends. Yes. So, like... A lot of the essentials were met. totally. And for a domestic horse, I mean, it really shows you, like, I would be like, this is a solid place to be. Yeah. But I think it's the contrast of coming out of the wild and seeing what they knew to where they are that really... Like, that's the striking difference that I feel, and I think that they feel, too, because they also 
having come from that, I think react differently to the environment they're in versus a horse that maybe had been stalled their whole life and then got put out in that kind of pasture, you know, that would be freedom from a wild horse. It would be containment. Yes. So it's an interesting perspective change a little bit, even though they're really, I think they're all, you know, wild and domestic doesn't really matter, but they're all individuals. They have all these different life experiences and they know different things. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) I agree. (laughs) You say ditto. 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 (laughs) Also, we've been getting up at 5 a.m. every morning. And And not going to bed that early. Like, we want to go to bed at, like, right when the sun goes down, and then Nina and I listen to D&D podcasts, and... That is Dungeons and Dragons, yes. Yes, Dungeons. In case you don't know, we have a Dungeons and Dragons group because we're that cool. <laughs> I actually think it's super rad. I, I think so too. I, you know, former me would be making fun of myself right now, but current me is very proud to be part of your D&D group. Former me would be like, why weren't you doing this like years ago? <laughs> uh, I love former you and present you. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> Last night, you know, things happen for a reason to me, for some reason. And last night it was really odd when we were camping, um, kind of packing up, getting ready to, you know, we weren't leaving that night, but pre-packing for the morning. This this helicopter came around, and then it was the weirdest thing. It came and buzzed us really close. Closest I've ever been buzzed by a helicopter. I honestly thought it was going to crash in our campsite it, it really unnerved me quick interception there because I thought it was so interesting that both of you guys were like oh yeah that's really close for a helicopter buzzing as if like this happens to you guys all the time <laughs> all the times I've been buzzed by a helicopter this was by far the closest you're like you know I used to get buzzed all the time by planes and I'm like I who are you <laughs> anyways continue so, on humble roger so um so I thought it was really odd and where we were and it just kind of made me relate to what the horses must feel when they are getting rounded up to have this huge loud thing come that close to you Um, because I mean I honestly thought I was going to crash in camp and I I was trembling for like 20 minutes later just going whoa what what just went on that was weird so, like I said, I think things happen for a reason. I think it's like, man, that... So I could just envision the horses on a roundup, and, you know, it kind of made me even a little bit sadder about it. Yeah, you know, I I had kind of forgot you said that last night about it, but to kind of set the scene for everyone, it was like night. All, we're, we were hearing this buzzing for a while. I think all of us kind of not that paying attention to it, and then all of a sudden this helicopter does come, and, like, it feels like the helicopter just came over our ridge and was like 20 feet above us like he the helicopter buzzed us so close just like came in and like went right over us I went like running and like plugging my ears and like ducking because I thought he was gonna land on me it looked like it was gonna crash onto you yeah like and I'm like guys and I'm like walking barefoot through the sand um or like kind of scurrying out of the way um and it was it was truly like I think it shook us all really hard and you're right about the horses like 
Like, here we are, we know what helicopters are. Yes. You know, we, we've we seen them before. We we have a, con- like, we can conceptualize what might be going on. And still, it came close to us, and, and it gets much closer to the horses. I've been to roundups where they're, they're like, sometimes they even touch them with the helicopters. Like, sometimes they push them with the legs, sometimes. But but even if they're not doing that, like, they're getting really close, you know, to herd these horses and running them across the plains. And it was, like, just that one quick encounter, and it was so unnerving. fitting. It was so unnerving. It was, we were all, like, really shook by it for a while. Yeah. And I was, I was scared. Legitimately scared. I, I thought it was fascinating because Mosey and I are from the United States. Nina is from Germany, and I forget. Um, we Taryn is Taren. also an amazing girl. Yeah, she us. was from the Middle East. I forgot which country. Sorry, Taryn. <laughs> <laughs> but to me, it was amazing that Mosey and I thought, oh my God, it's going to land here, or I was thinking it was going to crash here. But the two, the, the two girls from other countries with more of a violent background thought that we were going to get shot at. And to me, that's just such... No, but that's yeah, amazing no. to yeah. think about. You know, your background is so much of you. Just like your your horse's background is so much of your horse. And you just have to understand that when you're working with them. Say, this is my yeah. horse's background. You know, I need to foster the, the behaviors that I want. Um that I want my horse to, to enjoy, but understand that he's different than your horse you had three years ago or whatever, you know, because he has a different background. Totally, totally, totally. I, I love that. I think going into your relationship with your horse or any horse or any person or any animal that we meet and trying to make it this unique experience and know that it is going to be a unique experience I think is so important um, and really makes for a beautiful life I think yeah it really does I think it goes back even just to that they're all such individuals like just yeah. as much as humans are they are too because not only are they born with different personalities but they do experience so many different things Yeah, and, and sadly like a lot of horses have gone through some severe trauma. Yes. A lot of them. Not all, but but I've met a lot of very broken horses, as I'm sure both of you have. And yeah. And sometimes it's hard, like, because our fear comes into it too. You know, a horse starts acting up and you know, whatever that means to us makes us feel uncomfortable and it's so easy to get angry or to to think that they're being naughty in this way when really it could be a very they could be in a very triggering situation or feeling very distrustful or usually just really scared and and just being able to understand that is I think really helpful Apollo was my horse was very broken spirited not broken as in like rideable because he wasn't at the time but I would say broken spirited and Mosey's helped me bring out his playfulness and now he's just one of the most playful horses I know he loves to throw the ball over the fence he'll run with it you know he just has a blast and it's so wonderful to see the change from a broken spirit 
to just a playful, fun spirit. And he loves people and attention now. And uh, But the poor guy, you know, he's only four years old and he, he had stood literally in a stall for two years and wasn't allowed out. And, uh, you know, now we can run and play. And it's, it's such a better place for him. Yeah. Well, that... I take no credit for that because that's both you and him. That's you guys just being... But you fostered it. <laughs> well, uh, no, actually, he's an amazing, amazing example because to me, I mean, that kind of restriction for a horse is kind of like living in... Prison. Like being bedridden. Yeah, like in a prison, but also like being in your bed, like being strapped to a bed for yeah. like two years and not... And he's a huge horse and it's just... It's so physically and psychologically harmful and but and yet you see him and you're right like he is so expressive and to me in his movement I can see how joyful he is just in being able to move around like I feel like that's what I get when he's playing with the ball and he's like cantering around and throwing it on his head and whatnot like there's just such joy in the fact that he has movement and that he has this wonderful life and and that's another place where him coming from like this stall and this small like such containment he can he takes your pasture that you have and I think it's like blissful heaven for him you know and that brings it back to my other point and it's not huge um, it's the best my wife and I could do where it's a hundred by fifty feet um, but boy he uses every inch of it and he has a ball, ball so you know it, it's enough movement for him so, you know, to, for me to tie this together is whatever you can do to foster that, you know, yeah. everybody has different means. So, you know. Exactly. We're all just trying our best. And it's just being informed on, you know, how we can keep. Yeah, I mean, I, I would rather see a horse get physically dinged up and you have to go out and bandage and have the vet bill than to have a mentally damaged horse. I think mentally damaged horses, in the long run, is so much more difficult. Yeah, that's actually something we talked a lot about this too. The the desire to contain, for me, what I usually see, is not out of like, I want to break the horse. It's usually out of, I want to keep the horse safe. And, you know, if a horse goes out with their friends in a pasture, they could get hurt. And I think that's a very interesting mindset that we have for ourselves too not allowing ourselves to fully live in some ways because living includes a risk a risk but like for the horse for most horses and I think the horse is nature and it could be different for individuals because you know there could be some psychological damage where they're also scared but for the horse's nature I think is to want to be out and to want to live in this free place and they know that like there's risk in living in the wild and yet it doesn't stop them from fully living and that's something that I really admire about seeing the wild horses and horses in general and it inspires me just a lot I love that sorry in my brain I'm like taking psychological damage from the heat right now (laughs) I think we'll end this here just because it's getting burning in this car (laughs) and if we turn on the AC you won't be able to hear us (laughs) Uh, any last thoughts guys because it was a great trip and I'm also happy we kind of talked about this trip together and 
Me too. I really, I think my, my, you know, thoughts on it are that I'm still processing a lot of what I saw and experienced and, um, and I had such a blast. I had such a beautiful time and I really felt like we were a little herd out there yeah. and it was beautiful. A um, human herd. Yeah, a little human herd, human and dog herd. But I think that relates to life as well. You know, we have to leave our life not always safe because you really don't live if you're just always safe. You got to push your comfort zones a little bit um, for me to always to experience life. Yeah, and live it's so like, scary. Yeah, it's like, good. Live like James Dean, but die a little later. Yeah. <laughs> we might drive past his grave on the way back. Yeah, and, yeah. And with that, thank you guys both for being amazing humans and for being in my life and for coming on this trip and for being on the podcast. Thank you for making Bye. a podcast. <laughs> yeah. So everyone, uh, I'll have a new episode with better audio quality next week, next Friday, and. If you like the podcast, I so appreciate if you want to write a review or subscribe or share with your friends. All of that's great. Subscribe. Subscribe. Thanks, and I'll see you next week. Bye. Love you. Bye. Love you. Bye. Okay, love you. Bye.